Do you feel like you're really meant to soar in life? But it seems like there's always something that's holding you down. There's always some problem that keeps you from soaring over your circumstances. Or there's a habit that you can't seem to break free from that keeps you weighed down. You know, the air inside this balloon is the same air that you're breathing in the atmosphere right now. The air inside this balloon is no different than the air outside it. So that means that this balloon can't soar because the air inside it is exactly the same as the air outside the balloon. Now I have another balloon, and this balloon is filled with helium, and so you know that the helium in this balloon is very different from the atmosphere around it. What's inside this balloon is very different from what's outside it, and that's why this balloon, of course, can soar. And if you want to soar in life, what's inside you has to be very different from what's outside of you. You see, the Bible teaches fulfillment and true success in life are not determined by the atmosphere outside me, but by the atmosphere inside me. Fulfillment and true success have nothing to do with the circumstances outside of my life, but everything to do with the character inside my life. Now, the world says success and happiness come from the circumstances around you. If all the circumstances in your life just happen to be working out perfectly, then you're happy. The problem with that is our circumstances are never perfect. There's always problems. There's always pain. There's always difficulties. We make mistakes and messes in life, and that's why we're never happy. But God says it's not about the circumstances outside you. It's all about the character inside you. It's not about the choices you make to try to control your circumstances. It's about the choices you make that change your character. Now, when you become a Christ follower, Christ comes into your life and he changes you. And the Bible says you instantly become a new creation. You're new on the inside. You've got a new heart. You've got a new spirit. And so when Christ comes into your life, you're a different person. But then you say, Carrie, why do I still sin? Why do I still get stuck in destructive habits? Why do I still make a mess of things? That's because you also have a flesh. You see, when Christ comes into your life, he makes you a new creation, and your true self wants to follow him. You have a desire to follow God, to do what he's called you to do, and that's why you have this desire to really soar in life, because when you live from your true self, you find total fulfillment. You find meaning and purpose and peace, all the things that God has for you when you're living from your true self, but you also have a flesh. I have a flesh. You'll have your flesh until we get to heaven. You have a flesh, and your flesh wants things that are really destructive to you. Your flesh desires all kinds of things that are really bad for you. My flesh wants to eat a dozen donuts every night. Uh, my flesh wants to kill me, okay? Uh, and when you choose against your flesh and you choose your true self, it builds your character, you see, 
we're faced with so many opportunities to choose our true self rather than our flesh. And when we choose our flesh and we give in to our flesh and our fleshly desires, then it takes us down a destructive path. And we can't find true happiness or fulfillment. But when we choose in a moment to live in our true self and choose against our flesh, then it builds our character. And we find that purpose, we find that joy. Now we all have weaknesses in our flesh for certain sins, and we have to be aware of our weaknesses. Now we all know what kryptonite is. The word was first used in 1948 in the Superman comic books, but kryptonite, of course, is that substance that comes from Superman's home planet that makes him really weak when he's exposed to it on Earth. Kryptonite is the one thing that can keep Superman from soaring. I mean, you'd think it'd be the fact that he has the worst disguise of any of the superheroes. I mean, the dude doesn't even have a mask. I've always wondered, you know, Clark Kent can just put on some glasses and nobody knows it's Superman. Never figured that one out. But no, it's only kryptonite that can take Superman down and keep him from soaring. And we all have our own kryptonite on this earth. It doesn't come in the form of a glowing green mineral from another planet. It comes in the form of a subtle sin that attracts the weakness in our flesh. It may seem harmless at first, but once it takes hold, it takes a heavy toll on our hearts. It weighs us down in weakness, and it keeps us from soaring in life. What we're talking about in this new series was called the seven deadly sins in church history. In the dark ages, it was really, these seven deadly sins were hammered on so much that people thought if they even thought about committing these sins, they were doomed because it was all about don't, 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 don't avoid these, don't do this, don't you dare do this. But they really didn't teach much about what you're supposed to do. It was all about don't. But really, it's not about avoiding. It's about facing and recognizing our kryptonite, our deep weaknesses, so that we can find God's strength. It's in being real about the struggle that brings us down that we find God's strength to lift us up. It's in facing our kryptonite that we find Christ's power. And the kryptonite that causes most problems in our lives and our relationships, we're gonna talk about today. It's the kryptonite of pride because pride is really the huge meteor that all the other kryptonites that we face come out of. And so I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Our key verse is just one verse, one simple, straightforward, and powerful verse. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church? And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses and everyone worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry around the world. You know, we're one church and I love seeing all you guys at the Woodlands campus. Easter last weekend was amazing. I mean, it was unreal what God did over Easter. God is moving like never before at Woodlands Church. He's changing lives, he's changing families, he's changing marriages, he's changing relationships. You know, Woodlands Church is a place where lives are changed because God is real. And God wants you to know that he's real. God wants you to know that he knows where you're at and he knows what you're going through. And he has the power to change your life. 
And so follow along with, in fact, why don't you just read this one out loud with me. It's a really short verse. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Dear God, we know that we all struggle with pride, and, but we don't realize, Lord, how devastating it is in our lives and in our relationships and how it really is the big barrier that keeps us from soaring, from becoming all that you called us to be and really living in that joy that you want us to live in. So I pray today, Lord, that you would help us recognize this kryptonite. And then, Lord, you would take our weakness and you would bring strength out of it. You would take our brokenness and bring blessedness out of it. And we just thank you, Lord, for the life change that's getting ready to happen. And as we start this series off, Lord Jesus, I thank you that it's not just about don't do this, that you give us the things to do, Lord, so that we can really soar. And I thank you, Lord, for your love for us and what you're gonna do, working miracles in the next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Pride not only keeps us from soaring in life, but it's the cause of most of our crashes in life. Focus in on that phrase, pride goes before destruction. Pride always goes before destruction, so pride is the kryptonite that destroys happiness. Pride is the kryptonite that destroys dreams. Pride is the kryptonite that destroys families. Pride is the kryptonite that destroys relationships. Pride is the kryptonite that destroys businesses. Pride goes before destruction. Now the Bible says the opposite of pride is humility. Humility and true happiness go together. But humility is not a very popular virtue today, is it? And we don't hear a whole lot about humility today. We don't see a lot of humility today. In fact, in our culture, it's look out for number one. In our culture, it's a self-centered, me-first culture. Why? Why is our culture so about me, me, me. Our culture is always me first. I've got to look out for me. I've got to take care of myself. Why is that? Because our flesh is self-centered. When we give into our flesh, our flesh is self-centered and it prevents happiness. It's our kryptonite that the more we focus on ourselves, the less happy we are. Pride prevents happiness. Humility leads to true happiness. I want you to see that humility lifts me from a stressed place to a blessed place. Humility will lift you out of stress and humility will take you to a place where you can be really blessed. Some of you are stressed out and you're worn out. You're feeling so much pressure that you're weighed down. Why is that? Because you're trying to get control of your life. I know. I, I, try to do it all the time, and I fail miserably. There's nothing more stressful than trying to get control of your life, trying to be Superman, trying to be Superwoman, trying to fix everything in your life and fix all your circumstances so they'll be just right, and try to fix other people and change them so they'll be just right, and trying to fix all your problems and heal all your pain. That just prevents happiness. Muhammad Ali, when he was in his prime, the heavyweight champion of the world, boarded a plane to fly to Los Angeles, and a flight attendant 
came by and asked Ali to fasten his seatbelt before the plane took off. And Ali replied, Superman don't need a seatbelt. To which the flight attendant quipped back, and Superman doesn't need an airplane either. And Ali buckled up. We're always trying to be Superman or Superwoman because we're trying to get control of our life. And the more you try to get control of your life, then one area will spin out of control. You'll go over and you'll fix that area. Then another area of your life will break. And you'll go over and fix that. And then another area of your life will start to unravel. And you go try to fix that. And you just get worn out. You get stressed out. It's kind of like the balloon being filled up with air, just constantly being filled up more and more and more and being stretched and being stressed until finally it pops. And that's what God has to allow in our lives many times where everything just pops and we crash and we burn so that we can stop for a moment because God loves us so much that he'll allow us to fail God loves us so much that he will allow us to go through failures where we crash and burn so he can get our attention, so we will stop seeking a path that leads to destruction. So we'll stop trying to get control of our lives. But really, that's man's oldest problem. God placed Adam and Eve in this perfect garden of paradise, and he said, I want you guys to enjoy all of it. I created it for you. For your enjoyment, I want you to enjoy everything here except for this one tree. Don't eat the fruit from this one tree because I know what's best for you. And what did they do? They went straight for that one tree. They tried to control paradise. What were they saying? They were saying, God, we know as much as you. God, we're going to do what we want to do. And they began to play God. And sin entered the world. And along with it came all the consequences of the sin. But that first sin was pride. It was trying to be God, trying to control the Garden of Eden. And then everything spun out of control. And we're always trying to control. We try to control our pain, maybe through overeating or alcohol or maybe through an addiction to social media or through pornography. We try to control our image. We try to control other people. But we realize we can't control other people. We can't even get control of our own lives. It can't be done. But we can place our life under Christ's care and control. And God will allow your life to spin out of control into a place where you have to acknowledge that you can't get control of your life because he loves you that much. I mean, the worst thing that can ever happen to you is to have a stream string of success after success after success after success, looking for happiness through your successes and your circumstances, and God just removes himself and just lets you keep succeeding and succeeding and succeeding, going down a path of destruction. That's the worst thing that could happen to you. If you've just gone through a failure where you've crashed and burned, you're in a really good place because that means God, lo God loves you enough to allow that to happen so that you won't go down that path, so that you'll find that happiness is not found in your circumstances, but it's found on the inside through that relationship with Christ as your character is built and you live from your true self. 
You see, sometimes God will, after reaching out and reaching out and pursuing and pursuing and pursuing, if someone says no enough, no, I'm gonna do what I want enough in pride, then God says, okay, I'm just gonna let you. And he lets them. And that's the worst thing that can happen. But when God allows us to fail and to fall flat on our face, then we have a chance to get to our knees so that he can lift us up. Then we find that humility. You see, humility is not having low self-esteem. Humility is just admitting you can't get control of your life and you need God and you place your life under his care and control. And that's when you get lifted up because humility is not feeling bad about yourself. Humility is just admitting the reality that you can't get control of your life and you place it in Christ's care and control and you let him lift you up. Like 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So you humble yourself by admitting that it's pride trying to control. Maybe you never recognized that that was pride. Whenever you're trying to control, that's pride. And whenever I get worried, it's really an alarm that goes off in my life that says, I'm trying to control something that God never meant for me to control. I'm trying to control the uncontrollable. Whenever you get worried, it's because you're trying to control something, and so that's pride. The worry comes out of pride, thinking that you can control. And so recognize that as pride. Realize that that's pride. And then humble yourself by saying, God, I can't get control of my life. I humble myself and admit that I can't do that, so I place my life under your care and control. And what happens is that worried thought comes back to your mind and you have to give it over to God again. It comes back to your mind, you give it over to God again. And if you're a great warrior, you can become a great prayer warrior because those worried thoughts keep coming in your mind, you keep praying about it. You can't help it when a worried thought comes into your mind, but then you have a choice. You can hold on to it in pride and think that you can do something about it by trying to control, or you can let it go and give it to God. And then sometimes God calls you to do what you can do. But you have to give it over to God because you can't control it. My dad went to be with the Lord this last year. And not too long before he went to be with the Lord, he preached his last sermon. And it was what God taught me in 80 years of life. And the amazing thing was the very first point he had was that I have learned that I have a lot to learn. That was his first point, one of the most important ones. I have learned that I still have so much to learn. I have learned there's so much I don't know. So I wanna keep learning and be a humble learner. Every leader is a learner. And the moment you stop learning, you stop leading because you have to stay humble and learn and grow. So humility lifts me from a place of stressing to a place of blessing, but humility also lifts me from weakness to God's strength. When I'm feeling worn out and overwhelmed in my life, it's usually because I'm trying to accomplish God's purpose without God's power. Whatever God calls you to do, he will give you the power to do it. 
whatever God calls you to do, he doesn't mean for you to live in a place of being overwhelmed. Now, at first, we feel that. God will always call you to do things you can't do in and of your own strength. God will call you to do great things that you can't do, that you're bound to fail at. God will call you to do great things, and then you have to trust him to give you the power to do it. God has called Chris and I over and over again to do extraordinary things, and we're very ordinary. But the amazing thing is, when we place a little bit of our ordinary faith in an extraordinary God, then he does extraordinary things through us. God will always call you to do things you can't do, but he will never call you to do anything that you can't do in his strength. Whatever God calls you to do, he will give you the power to do it. So when I feel overwhelmed and weak and worn out, it's usually because I'm trying to do something God's called me to do without God's power. I'm trying to accomplish God's purpose without God's power. But then when I admit that I need his power, that's when he lifts me up. And some of you have just gone through a major failure. You're in a great place. You're feeling weak and broken. You're feeling the pain of that failure. That's God's love. He loves you. Failures turn us to the Father so that we can trust him and he can lift us up. I've talked to so many people who've gone through great failure. And when they're going through it, it's so hard. But when they turn to the Father, they look back and say, that was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. When I lost that job, that was the greatest thing that could ever happen to me because God took that failure and he redirected me. I was going down the wrong path. I was seeking all the wrong things. And God, in his love and mercy, just stopped it right then and there because he loved me too much to let me go down that path. And that's when God gave me that idea to start my own business. So that's when God gave me that idea to, to go down this different path. And so I wouldn't be where I am today without that failure. If I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And maybe you're right there in that place. You're in a great place for God to lift you up and let you soar in life. So I wanna just share with you three brief things about letting God fill you with his humility and his power and letting God empty you of pride. The first is empty myself with confession. I've gotta empty myself with confession. Now, the balloon that just had air in it can't float, it can't soar. For that balloon to soar, I would have to empty that balloon of its air and then fill it up with helium. And it's the same with us. When we're full of ourselves, we can't be filled with God's power to soar. When I'm filled with pride, I can't be filled with God's power to go to new heights and new levels in my life. I have to be emptied of my pride, and so God will take me through that process where I'm just emptied of myself because he wants to fill me up with his power. Until you're emptied of yourself, you can't be filled with God's power. And some of you feel really empty right now that's a great place to be. God will bring you to that place of emptiness over and over again where you feel like you're running on empty and you have no strength. You feel so weak to accomplish the things you need to accomplish, where you feel empty emotionally, where you feel empty spiritually, where you feel empty in a marriage relationship, 
where you feel empty in your career. God will bring you to that place over and over again because it's that emptiness that drives us to the only one who can fill our emptiness. It's the emptiness that motivates us to go to the one who can quench our deepest thirst. And so if you're feeling empty, you're in a good place right now. It's when I'm full of myself that he can't fill me. He has to allow me to be emptied out so that he can fill me up. I call it spiritual breathing. You have to exhale and ask God for forgiveness. I have to admit that I need his forgiveness for trying to control things, for trying to get control of my life, for trying to control my circumstances. Really, it's just playing God. And I have to admit I need him. And so I exhale out and say, God, I need your forgiveness. I've been trying to play God. I confess it to you. Pride, though, blinds me to my great need of forgiveness. I love this story Jesus told in Luke 18.10 that really popped the pride of prideful people. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a proud, self-righteous Pharisee and the other a cheating tax collector. The proud Pharisee prayed this prayer, thank God I'm not a sinner like everyone else, especially like that tax collector over there. For I never cheat, I don't commit adultery, I go without food twice a week, and I give to God a tenth of everything I earn. But the corrupt tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed, but beat upon his chest in sorrow, exclaiming, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home forgiven, for the proud should be humbled, but the humble shall be honored. Now, tax collectors in Christ's day were just cheats and thieves. They were also traitors because they collaborated with Roman government who was occupying the Jewish nation at the time. And so they were always cheating people, trying to get extra for themselves. They were all out for number one. And so everybody looked at tax collectors with disgust. Now they looked at Pharisees, the religious leaders, with great respect and awe because to the people, the Pharisees were these perfect people, these people that were so successful that looked so great on the outside, that did everything right. But Jesus looked at the Pharisees, and he saw not what was on the outside, but he saw right into their hearts. And he said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, painted nicely, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. And Jesus looked right in, and he saw, and the Pharisee went to the temple that day, and he saw this tax collector crying out for mercy, and the first thing he does is he prays to God and says, thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like that guy. Thank you, God, that I've got my act together. I'm not perfect, but thank you, I'm not like that guy. And Jesus said, you know who was forgiven that day? Only one, and it was the cheat. It was the thief. He was the one forgiven, because the only people who ever get forgiveness are those who know that they need forgiveness and pride blinds me to my great need for forgiveness. Pride allows me to compare myself to others and say, you know what, I'm not perfect, but at least I don't have that sin. At least I'm not struggling with that. Praise God, I'm not that bad. Pride blinds me to my need for forgiveness. You see, 
my sins were so bad, they caused the perfect Lamb of God to die this excruciatingly painful, horrific death upon a cross, to go through the torture because it was the only way that I could be forgiven of my sins. That's how bad my sins are. That's how bad your sins are. You see, we compare ourselves to others, but if you want to compare yourself, just compare yourself to one, Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God who loved you so much that he had to go to the cross so he could have a relationship with you. That's how bad our sins are. And when in pride we compare ourselves to others, that's really a flight from God's grace. That's why pride is such a barrier to blessing because grace is blessing. When I admit my sins to God and I stop trying to justify or diminish or act like they're not that bad, but I just come to God with them, he forgives, he cleanses, he lifts me up, he gives me his power and his strength and his victory and I can soar. I'm not weighed down by the guilt, not weighed down by the shame. But really pride is a flight from grace. It's a barrier from God's grace and living and breathing in God's grace. You exhale and you empty yourself by admitting how much you need forgiveness, and then you inhale God's grace and God's power in your life. So exhale, then inhale. Hey, right after this story Jesus told about the tax collector and the Pharisee, I don't think it's a coincidence that some moms brought their children to Jesus for Jesus to bless them, and the disciples who were really the ones that were all around Jesus all the time, they had all access to Jesus, and so they got a little proud about that. Everybody wanted to meet Jesus, and they got a little proud about the fact that they were around him all the time, so the children came up to Jesus that, kids, no, Jesus has important things to do right now. He doesn't have time for you. And Jesus rebuked them, and he said in Luke 18, 16, and Jesus called the children over to him and said to the disciples, let the little children come to me. Never send them away, for the kingdom of God belongs to men who have hearts as trusting as these little children. And anyone who doesn't have this kind of faith will never get within the kingdom's gates. Wow. Jesus said, you gotta become like a little child to enter the kingdom of God. What was he talking about? Children are so honest. They don't hide their feelings, do they? They don't hide their hurts. When they're hurting, they just cry. When they're mad, they let you know it. When they're happy, they just express joy. They don't try to hide their emotions. They're totally authentic. When they're selfish, they're selfish. They're not trying to hide it or pretend. My two-year-old granddaughter, Mary Love, um, she's learning all about sharing. So you know what she does? She goes over to her sister, grabs the toy from her, and says, Share, learn to share. God put her on this earth to help people learn how to share. Kids are just honest, you know, they're just real. And that's what Jesus was saying. You got to be real and honest about your brokenness so you can find that blessedness. And God says, just be real, just be truthful, just be honest to yourself, to me, and to others. God says, that's when I can do amazing things. I came across this 
Facebook video of a little girl who's really honest, who really expresses her feelings. Just watch. Whoa. I just, just pray for that girl's mom and dad. That's all I can say about that. But she's expressing herself. And that's what kids do. But as adults, we learn to hide in our pride. We can hide. And there are a million nice ways that we can hide our pride. But God looks into our hearts and he sees it. And he loves us so much. And he just wants us to step into the light and to admit it. That we can't get control of our lives but we can place it under his care and his control. But there's a second thing. I've got to fill up by surrendering to God's strength. So I exhale and I admit I need forgiveness, and then I inhale and say, God, fill me up with your Holy Spirit and your power. I want to live for my true self. God, fill me up with your strength. I can't do this without you. And so we exhale and then we inhale. You see, once we're emptied of our pride, he can fill us up. I can't be full of God if I'm full of myself. But God wants to fill me up. In Matthew 5, 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit mean? It just means that you're broke spiritually, that you're bankrupt spiritually, that you're broken and you know you're broken and you admit it and you bring that brokenness to God so he can bring blessedness out of it. I love the way the message paraphrase puts it in Matthew 5, 3. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. So are you at the end of your rope? Do you feel like you're at the end of your rope? That's a good place to be. All you gotta do is let go and let God catch you and hold you, and he will. Some of you are at the end of your rope, but you're holding on. You're holding on as tight as you can. Your knuckles are turning white. Uh, you're just holding on and you're holding on, you're holding on and it's just wearing yourself out. And when you finally get to the place where you can't hold on any longer and you let go, you'll find that he catches you. He holds you in his arms. He says, you're my child. I've been waiting for this. Rest in my love and my care and my forgiveness and in my grace. Rest in me. Are you at the end of your rope? That's where you meet God at the end of your rope. Some of you are at the end of your rope but you don't know it. You think you've got a lot of rope left, and you don't. You need to let go and let God catch you. And then there's a third thing, soar by serving others. You see, we exhale and we ask God's, God for forgiveness. We inhale and ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit and give us the strength and the power to love the people in our lives, to give us the wisdom that we need to make decisions because we can't do that on our own to give us the power to be who he's called us to be. And then we start looking to serve others. We live in a culture that says it's all about you, but it's not about you. It's about God and others. And humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is just thinking more about others. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is just not thinking about yourself because you're thinking about the Lord and you're thinking about others and making a difference in their lives. And you're blessed to be a blessing. That's why God wants you to be a conduit of his blessings. He, he wants you to serve. He gives you time, and he wants you to use some of that time to serve others, to make a difference in the lives of others. That's why you need to be in one of the ministries at Woodlands Church. He gives you finances, and he wants you to use it to bless others. He use it to enjoy life, but use it to bless others, to make a difference in the lives of others 
to build the kingdom of God. You're blessed to be a blessing. And God says, I want you to be a channel of my blessing. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, all of you serve each other with humble spirits, for God gives special blessings to those who are humble, but sets himself against those who are proud. If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in his good time, he will lift you up. You see, God wants to lift you up to soar. But the amazing thing is we have to descend into greatness. We have to serve others. True humility is seen in how you treat people who can't do anything for you. In how you treat people who can't do anything for you. I'm not talking about your network. I'm talking about how you treat men and women who are created by God, how you treat others, how you serve others, how you love others. That's what it really comes down to. God blesses us to be a blessing. Are you serving? Are you giving? Are you living in humility? In 1717, when Francis Louis XIV died, his body lay in a golden coffin. He called himself the Sun King, and he acted like he was a god, and he had the greatest court in all of Europe, magnificent palaces, and people from all over the world looked at it and thought, man, that guy's got it made. And he wanted to dramatize his funeral, so he planned it before he died. And he wanted all the lights dim in the huge cathedral, except for one big candle by his casket to show that he was the light, he was the sun king. And so as thousands waited in hushed silence, the bishop stood up and started to speak, and then he stopped, he snuffed out the candle, and he said, only God is great. Only God is great. Only God, he's the only one who can control. He is the one in control. You see, every one of us will come to that place where our candle gets snuffed out, but we have a God who wants us to live with him forever. And he wants us right now to learn to rest in him and to just surrender to him. Some of you have been carrying such heavy burdens that they've been weighing you down. Then you come in here to church and you let them go for a little bit. Then you pick them up and you walk out and God says, you need to leave them at the foot of the cross because I'm big enough to handle it. I'll hold you and your burdens. You see, I didn't realize it at the time, but when I was a kid, the first song I ever learned in Sunday school was the deepest truth I would ever learn in my life. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Jesus loves you, and he wants to hold you up. Did you know there's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you any more than he does right now? There's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you any less than he does right now. And when I sin, it hurts him. It breaks his heart because sin is so destructive. It's so destructive in my life. It's so destructive in my relationships. He knows how destructive sin is, and it gets us so off the path. And so it just crushes his heart when we sin. 
but he still loves me the same. And when I do a thousand good things for him, he still loves me the same. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less than he does right now because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. He loves you unconditionally. That's so hard for us to, to grasp. It's so hard for us to, get our, to put our minds around the fact that God loves us because we live in a world that's based on conditional love. I'll love you if you do this for me. I'll love you if you meet my needs. But God says, I love you because I love you, and he wants you to live in love with him. But if you've never received him, your sin separates you from God. That's why he died for every one of our sins. And in this series, we're gonna learn how God's love can give us the power to overcome all those sins and those destructive habits that hold us back. But it's not that you need to love God more, it's just you need to know how much God loves you because if you get a glimpse of how much God loves you, you'll surrender everything to him. A God who loves you that much? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. I'm weak, broken, but when I bring my weakness and my brokenness to him, he lifts me up and his strength and his wholeness and his healing. And that's when I soar. God wants you to soar in life. So let's bring our brokenness to him as we start this series. Let's get real with God. Let's get real with ourselves. Let's bring our brokenness to him and all the things that hold us back and just lay it out for him and let him hold us. If you're holding on at the end of your rope, just let go and let God catch you and hold you in his arms. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells you so. Little ones, to him belong. Hey, you're weak, but he is strong. Dear God, we come before you and we ask you right now to hold us. And I pray for those, Lord, who've been really struggling and really trying to get control of things. And Lord, everything's just spinning out of control. Help them realize that none of us can get control of our lives. That's an illusion. But we can place our lives under your care and control. And we can trust your care and control because you love us so much. Lord, I pray for those who feel weak today, who feel worn down, who feel completely broken. Lord, I thank you that you're going to lift them up because really we're all broken and we place that brokenness in you and we ask you to bring blessedness out of it. We give you our mess and we ask you to work a miracle in it. We give you our pain and ask you to turn it into purpose. And Lord, I just pray for those who've never received you that right now they would just in this moment, in the silence of their heart, say, Jesus Christ, I need you to come into my life. I admit I need your forgiveness of all my sins. I accept your free gift of forgiveness on the cross as you died for my sins. Thank you that you rose again. Come into my life. I exhale and ask you to forgive me. I inhale and I invite you into my life through your Holy Spirit. Be the Lord of my life and I accept your free gift of heaven. Help me grow in my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed to receive Christ, he's in your life. If you prayed online, just click that little place that says, I received Christ and your hand will be raised. It'll raise a hand and we've got pastors that can help you 
grow in your faith. If you prayed to receive Christ at one of our campuses, we have pastors and greeters all around that would love to hear about that, help you grow in your faith. But now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us. And we give because Jesus Christ gave his life. And the more we give, the more we become like Jesus. And we give because we love him. And we give because we love the ministries and missions of Woodland Church that are making such a difference to the hurting and the hopeless. And so give. Now, how do you give at Woodland Church? You take out your smartphone. So that's the only way. Take out your smartphone. Well, you can give on your way out with offering boxes, but take out your smartphone. You can give right here, right now during the offering. And you just text the word GIVEWC. It's one word to 77977. And then you can set up your giving right there. Or if you're online, you can go to wc.org give, or you can give through the app. But just make it consistent and give. Put God first. See, humility is all about serving and all about giving and trusting God that his word is true that you cannot give him. So let's give to him. And I just know with all my heart this week that God wants to make a way for you He's the maker of heaven and earth, and he can make a way for you. He can make a way where there seems to be no way, and maybe you feel like there's no way through a barrier you're facing. God can make that way where there seems to be no way. God can make a way in a marriage where there seems to be no hope. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. I want us to stand, and let's declare, Woodland Church, that the maker of heaven and earth is for us, And if he can make heaven and earth, he can make a way for you this week. It's one of my favorite Woodlands worship songs. Maker, let's sing it with all of our heart and let's believe it that the maker who made heaven and earth can make a way for you where there seems to be no way. And if you're at the end of your rope, you're right at the place where the maker takes over. He's been waiting for you to let go. When I finally come to the place and I go, God, I give up, I can't do it, he goes, finally, Been waiting for that one. Are you at that place? Let the maker make a way. Let's declare it. Let's praise him before he does it. The maker's gonna make a way for you this week. If he can make the stars, if he can create this infinite universe with a single word and an explosion of light where all matters created in an instant, then he can make a way for you, whatever you're facing. Let's sing it with all our hearts. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.